surrender all to this. Praise the Lord. God bless you. This beautiful morning um, that God has given us. Every day is really a gift from God. So every morning we wake up, um, it would be beneficial for us to wake up with an attitude of gratitude and thank God. Um, life is a gift. And for us believers, is an abundant gift because we live a, a life that is abundant. Uh, our joy and our gratitude is not regulated by the circumstances that surround us, but it is actually um, regulated by God who lives inside of us. He dwells in us. We are his temple. And so as he lives inside of us, his joy comes with his presence and his joy is our strength. So we bless him this morning. We welcome you. This is the Rivers of Life Cyber Church. We thank Josh for those amazing songs that he has sung unto the Lord and has helped us to create an environment where now we can receive the word of God. And so this morning, uh, we come to you. Uh, traditionally, this is uh, called Palm Sunday or uh, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And so we want to bring a word from, from God connected to that historic event, but we also want to connect it to a futuristic event that will soon occur. And it also has to do with Jesus marching into the holy city of Jerusalem. First time he came as a humble servant, but in this event that's about to take place very soon, he's going to come as a conquering, victorious, sovereign king of kings and lord of, of lords. And so I would like this morning to make that connection between his first entrance into Jerusalem as king of the Jews and his second entrance into Jerusalem as king not only of the Jews, but of all the nations. And so, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you give us, O oh God, to, to wake up to a new day with new opportunities, opportunities to experience your presence, opportunities to dwell in your presence, opportunities to be a blessing to those that are in our circle of influence and to anyone that with whom we cross paths. And so we thank you this morning, Father. This is the day that you have made, and we rejoice because the joy of the Lord dwells in us and is our strength, and so we are glad today to be able to come before your presence and to be able to gather together, Lord, though we can't gather physically, but we're gathered together in the Spirit. And so we bless everyone who's tuning in to the service, Father. Bless them mightily this morning. Bless their families. God, and let this word, O oh God, uh, awaken in them the hope of glory. Let this word, O oh God, make them aware of the peace of Jesus that surpasses the understanding and the realities of life that we're facing, O oh God, that we would be able to understand that the peace of Jesus surpasses all of those things, O oh God. And so we give you praise this morning. We give you glory for what you're doing and for what you're about to do. 
As a matter of fact, I want to bless every, every service that's being right now, that's coming across, so God, these means. We bless not only this service, but every service right now and every ministry right now that's using this this way of communication to convey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We bless every one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Before I go into the traditional reading, I want to read uh, scripture from the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verses 10 and 11. This scripture is related to when Jacob... He gathers his 12 sons, and um, just before his departure from here, from earth, he begins to speak into their lives about their destiny. Their destiny as individuals, their destiny as a family, but their destiny also as tribes. And when he reaches his fourth son, Judah, this is the words that he spoke to him that are very uh, much connected with the event that we celebrate today, but also with the futuristic event of Jesus coming as victorious and conquering king. And so uh, Genesis chapter 49, I want you to look, look it up with me in your Bibles. Genesis 49, verses 10 and verse 11. I'll give you a a moment. Amen. So we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So verse number 10, it says, The scepter or leadership shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh, which is another name given to Jesus, which means the Messiah, the peaceful one, until he comes to whom it belongs and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So we know that David, as the king chosen by God, from whose lineage would be a dynasty of kings, we know that the prophecy of this scepter being given or coming from the tribe of Judah and not departing from it happened like 640 years after this, this was spoken. Another 960 years, we see the fulfillment of Shiloh coming, meaning Jesus appearing in the scene. And so... Uh, It says, verse number 11, this is very important because it's connected to the event that we celebrate and to how it, it happened close to 2,000 years ago. It says, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he washes his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Now, I want you to go with me to another portion of scripture, Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9. Let us go to Zechariah. Chapter 9, verse number 9. Amen. I'll give you a moment to find that scripture. Amen. Let us read in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. 
he is uncompromisingly just and having salvation, patient, meek, lowly, and riding on a donkey, upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. One more scripture I want you to read, and that's connected to the actual event that we commemorate this morning, and that is found, amen, and I'm going to use the portion from John chapter 12. So let us go to John chapter 12. And let us begin to read um, from verse number number 12. It says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd gathered for the feast. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Everyone was shouting, Lord, be our savior. Another word or another translation would say Hosanna or Hosanna, which means save us now. Blessed is the one who comes to us sent from Jehovah God, the King of Israel. The Amplified Version says, um, again, verse number uh, 12, it says, the next day, a vast crowd of those who had come to pass to the Passover feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And as they went, they kept shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he and praise to him who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And so I would say we all have at some point or another read the story about this amazing day when Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem. And um, he comes and they hail him as a king. But the Bible says that he comes as a humble king, not as a conquering king, not as a, a victorious king, but he comes in as a humble king, amen, into the holy city. And this is the initiation of a week that would be categorized, I would say, like uh, the cruelest week that any human being could ever endure in his lifetime. As a matter of fact, no human, no matter how much suffering any one of us has been through or any character, any biblical character has been through, the first one that would come to mind would be Job. I mean, he went through some sufferings and through some trials and tribulations that 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 really we cannot fathom. Sometimes we complain about the things that we face in life. But if we compare them to what Job faced in such a short period of time, amen, even our suffering pales in comparison. Well, well guess what? Job's suffering pales in comparison to the sufferings that Jesus was about to endure. But before he endures these sufferings, he's hailed and celebrated as the king of the Jews. And so the people honored him. They, 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 they gave him a royal reception because they felt that this was the moment that they had waited for for so long. That God would send a Messiah in the form of a king, of a conqueror, to come and deliver them 
from their oppressors. At that time, their oppressors were the Romans. They were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And so they believed that this was the time when the promise of the Messiah would be fulfilled and they would be once and for all delivered from the oppressors and they'd be able to to, uh, live as a nation in peace, not having any longer to worry about their enemies because this king that had been promised would rule not only Israel, but it would rule the world and it would subdue her oppressors. And so that's why they were in such a joyful and celebrative mood because they felt this was the fulfillment of that. And truly so, this was the king that would ultimately come and deliver them from the oppressors. But the oppressors that they had were limited because they were humans. But there was a greater oppressor that was not only one who sought to oppress Israel, but that sought to oppress all of humanity. And before Jesus can subdue the oppressors of a nation, his greatest goal was to subdue the oppressor of all of humanity. And that's why this week begins, amen, the fulfillment of or the completeness of his mission as to why he was sent from heaven to earth, amen. And it was to deliver all of us from the greatest of all oppressors, Satan himself, because it is Satan, amen, who seeks not only to oppress, the Bible says he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. He has such a hatred for God that since he could not uh, execute his desires with God, he chose his God's creation as a way for him to avenge or to, or to ex- execute the, the hatred, the bitter hatred that he had for his creator. We know that God created Lucifer, and Lucifer opened up himself to pride, and he, he became obsessed with a jealousy, with a desire, with a covetedness, to desire to usurp the place of God and become the greatest in heaven. And because of that, he was cast out of heaven. So he comes out of heaven and he comes with this seething hatred and bitterness to to God. And so he can't not, amen, do anything with the creator. So he chooses to target his creation. But thank God that he, God had a redemptive plan. And so Jesus begins this week. He initiates this week, amen, heading to fulfill Amen. The, the, the climax of the, of the, of the ultimate purpose of his mission, which is to deliver humanity from her oppressor. And so he begins this week in a, in a celebration and a, in a great, uh, joyous, with a great joyous event. But this would begin a week of profound cruelty, a week of, of, of unjust and unheard of, uh, uh, violence against any human being. And so he walks in as a humble king, a man. What the Jews could not understand, and sometimes is difficult for us to understand, is that before you can wear a crown, you must face first the cross. Sometimes we, we, we pray and we ask God, God, reveal to us your glory. 
uh, pour your glory upon us. Uh, let the church be glorious. But before we can experience the, the, the fullness of his glory, we must be willing to, amen, experience his afflictions. And so we know that he took the greatest of all afflictions. So even as we face afflictions, amen, they can't compare to the affliction that he took upon that cross. Amen. But we cannot partake of his glory, the Bible says, unless we're also willing to partake of his afflictions. Right now, we're going through an afflicting time here in this nation and throughout the globe. I've never, as I've said before, and many of us who are alive today, uh, no matter how old you are, probably have never lived uh, through something like this. Amen. Uh, ever before in our lifetime. And so uh, we are right now under a uh, 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 an affliction. Amen. The, the the globe is being afflicted right now through this virus and through this disease that has been cast upon the earth. Amen. But I believe that as we endure this affliction, those of us who believe in Jesus, those of us who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, those of us who are redeemed. Amen. Amen. We are about to experience a glory that's about to be manifested to us. Amen. If we're able to endure before Jesus could uh, be glorified or, or before he can manifest himself in the fullness of his glory, he had to endure the cross. I encourage you today as you as you endure your personal cross, your personal affliction. Amen. There's some of you that might not be uh, necessarily didn't have to wait to this moment to be afflicted, but you've had a life that in, in an experience, a prolonged experience of affliction in your own life, in your family. Amen. I challenge you this morning as you begin to focus and place your faith in God, that affliction will soon be over and you'll be able to experience the glory of Christ. But before you experience, amen, uh, the, the glory, you have to experience the affliction. Amen. Before you can wear the crown, you have to first experience the cross. Amen. And so Jesus humbled himself because he knew the pattern. He knew that there would be no crown before a cross. He knew that there would be no glory before the affliction. So he set the example for us, and it would be a, a, a blessing, a, it'd be beneficial for us to follow the example that Jesus left us. Amen. Now, the Jews could not look beyond the Messiah coming as a conquering king to deliver them from their present oppressor, who was human, just like them. And, and they would read the, the, this, this prophecy of Zechariah, and they would join it all together, while in reality what Zechariah was prophesying was two separate events. So in chapter 9, he prophesies, Amen. About the coming of the Lord and how he would enter into Jerusalem riding on a colt. Amen. And this was fulfilled 2000 years ago on a day similar like this morning when he was received with palms and with praises. Amen. But then Zechariah goes on to speak prophetically about the culmination or the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus Christ coming as a king, as a conqueror to deliver not only Israel, but to deliver all of humanity from her oppressor. And so I want you to go with me to Zechariah 
chapter 14. Amen. Zechariah chapter 14. We're going to start reading from verse number one. Zechariah 14, verse number one. Amen. Now, Zechariah 9 speaks of his first advent, his first coming. Zechariah 14 speaks of his second coming. And why is this important? Because the first coming right now to us is history. It already passed. It's done. But the second coming is has yet to happen, but is about to happen sooner than you and I can even anticipate. And this is what Zechariah speaks about that second coming of the Lord. Zechariah 14, verse 1, it says, Behold, a day of the Lord is coming when the spoil, meaning that which was taken from you, Israel, but also in a spiritual sense from all of us, humanity, the spoil taken from you shall be divided among the victors in the midst of you. For I will gather all Nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the woman ravished and half of the city shall go into exile. But the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem. On the east and on the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the east to the west by every great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee, speaking of the Jews during this time that the Bible speaks of as time of great trial. We know it as the time of great tribulation. It is called the 70th week of Daniel, which has paused. 69 weeks of Daniel's prophecy have been fulfilled until the coming of Jesus. When Jesus appears on the scene, there is now a pause between the 69th week and the 70th week. And that pause is known as the time of grace, as the period known as grace. It is a period where God would manifest his love not only to the Jewish people, but to all humanity. Amen. And that is the period that we're living in now. But from in the moment that the church is raptured into the heavenlies, amen, that time period, that pause will cease and God will play the play button. He will press the play button, amen, on history. And there will begin the 70th week, which is seven years where God will deal with the Jewish people here on earth, amen. And they will be seven years of great tribulation, great sufferings. They will be surrounded by their enemies. Mighty armies will come upon the nation of Israel, and their goal is to reach the holy city of Jerusalem. And the Bible speaks about this in the book of Revelation. But when that time happens, when Israel finds itself with her back against the walls, this is when the king of glory, the one who was rejected by them in his first advent, this is when he will come and he will avenge all of Israel's enemy. 
Amen. He will destroy them. And this is what Zechariah is speaking of in this chapter 14. That is an event that's soon to happen. I think that the 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 the, the signs and the, the 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 things that we're seeing happening today that correlate with all the, the 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 futuristic prophecies given by the prophets and all of what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation, we're seeing all of that evolving right before our eyes. So uh, I am one that strongly believes that the time of Jesus' physical return to earth is about to happen soon. But before that happens, there's got to be seven years of tribulation, which will be initiated once the church is raptured. So if the second coming of Christ as king and as conqueror is so much closer than we can anticipate, then how much more closer is the rapture or the snatching away of the church, of the bride of Christ, which is made up of Gentiles and of Messianic Jews, those Jews that have accepted Jesus as Messiah this is an opportunity, folks, for all of us to prepare ourselves and get ready. Even what we're going through now, this is an opportunity for us to, to get closer to God. To develop a greater and deeper intimacy with Jesus. To embrace the word of God. And as, as, as the word says, just eat the scroll, digest the scroll, take the word of God, amen, and allow it to nurture your spirit and allow it to, 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 to bring you, amen, to a place where you would understand that, that the word of God is really being fulfilled letter by letter. There's not a jot or a tittle of this word, amen, that has fallen to the ground. Every part of it is being fulfilled as it was written Amen. And so uh, the Bible says that when that happens, when Jesus returns, amen, um, Judah, verse 14, also shall fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the nations around and about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance, Judah meaning Israel. And as that plague or, or Judah being really the king, the, 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 the tribe from where, where David descended and from where Jesus uh, descended, amen, as, as, as in his humanity, amen, they will fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the nations round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. And at, as that plague on men, so shall be the plague on the horse, on the mule, on the camel, on the donkey, and all the livestock and the beasts that may be in those camps. And everyone who is left of all the nations which, which came against Jerusalem. I want you to hear this. Everyone who is left. In other words, when Christ comes, he comes to execute judgment on the enemies of Israel. But anyone who is left among all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king and the Lord of hosts and to keep the feast of the tabernacles or the feast of booths. Amen. So there's when this king comes, Jesus Christ, when he returns, he will come to execute judge, judgment upon the nations of the earth. But once that judgment is executed, amen, that's when the thousand year millennial reign of Jesus with his bride, with the church, with those that have been redeemed will begin and Jesus will begin to rule from the holy city of Jerusalem. 
and all those that were enemies of the Jewish people and in turn enemies of God will now have to come and worship him. And that those will be a thousand years of peace where Satan, the Antichrist, false prophets will be bound for a thousand years. They will not be able any longer to have an impact on God's creation. They will be in prison for a thousand years. And so we'll be able to enjoy in the nations of the world a thousand years of peace, of prosperity. Amen. Uh, free of war, free of, of, of violence. Amen. And so that is what we're all waiting for. And so as we celebrate this first coming of the Lord, let us keep focus on the second coming and let it encourage us. Amen. To, to live a life, amen, that, that would be pleasing unto God so that when uh, this happens, we could be a part. Revelation says that, that, that when he comes, he's going to come, amen, with a great multitude. I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. This is John writing. And so chapter 19 is right uh, after... Uh, the great tribulation has taken place, and this is what John sees. He says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doeth judge and make war. His eyes are or were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Many crowns here means that he will, the crown that he wears on his head is really a representation of the nations upon which he will rule over. Meaning when he comes as king, he's not simply going to be the king of Israel, but he's going to be the king of the nations of the world. So he he comes with many crowns upon his head. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture or with garments that were dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies, the armies which were with him, or the armies in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean linen. Now, some people have confused this as armies of angelic beings. But if we look at this description, they were clothed in fine linen, white and clean linen. That is a representation of of the righteousness of God's saints, those that have been redeemed. Amen. They are clothed in fine and white and clean linen. And so when he comes back, those heavenly armies that are coming in white horses, really, this us. So that's why it's important for you to make sure that you're living right now. Make sure that you're in relationship with Jesus now, because when the rapture happens, we're going to go into a seven-year period where the earth is going to be suffering great judgment and great trials. Amen. While in heaven, we're going to be celebrating, amen, the Lamb's wedding. Amen. We're going to be celebrating the, the wedding of the Lamb of God. Amen. And so when that concludes, we're going to return. Jesus and all of the saints will return. And we will return on our own horses. I can't wait to that, to that moment when we will return in our own Horses, amen. And out of the mouth of the one who's riding the white horse, who's leading this heavenly host, out of his mouth 
goes forth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nation, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he threadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This will happen at the end of the great tribulation. The king will come, not just as king of the Jews, but as emperor over the entire earth. He will put down the Antichrist. He will put down he who pretends to take the throne. He will destroy the works of the devil once and for all. The devil will no longer be a ruler over over the earth, but now Jesus will take his rightful place. In Revelations 11, 11, 15, it says, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of us Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So the one who came as a humble king will now come as a conquering and victorious warrior, a king with all of his glory. And we shall be kings and priests that will come with him and together with him we will rule rule, and we will reign. Amen. Can you imagine, amen, that multitude that comes with Jesus shouting triumphantly, amen, to establish his kingdom here upon the earth. Amen. And so, uh, Jesus is coming back. But this time, he's coming back to rule. But before he rules, he's coming back to judge. It is important for us to understand this. I spoke about this one of the live streams that we uh, did recently. How is it that many times uh, the gospel is only half of it is being preached in many pulpits today? And we only present Jesus in a way that would be sentimental to our audience. We only present him as a kind, loving, gracious, compassionate God, and truly that's who he is. But it is important that if we're going to present the whole gospel, that we also present the fact that he's also a judge and he's coming to rule. The only ones that will be able to escape from that rule and from that judgment are those that are washed in the blood of the Lamb, those that are redeemed. We will be able to escape it because we will not be on the earth when those judgments are happening but we will be in heaven with Jesus. And then when he comes, amen, to execute the final judgment over the the enemies of Israel and to execute judgment upon Satan and upon the Antichrist, amen, we will come with him as executors of that judgment. And the only way you could be a part of that crowd, folks, is when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life right now. So the greatest thing that you could do is not simply hail him as Hosanna, Save me now. He's the one that comes to deliver us now. But for you to declare him the king and the Lord of your life, for you to declare him your savior. And so this morning, amen. If you simply declare him like they declared him on that day over 2000 years ago when he was walking into Jerusalem, there's a great possibility and probability that once this is all over with, you will be the same one that will de- that will cry out, crucify him. Because that's what happened, really. The crowd that was hailing him and was receiving him with great uh, uh, praises, amen, in a matter of a few days, they turned on him. Many of you that are going through this right now, you've turned to Jesus and you've cried out to Jesus and you're praying out to God and you've probably gotten a hold of the word of God like you've never gotten a hold of it before. 
Question would be, are you really going to make a commitment to God during this time of affliction? Are you really going to turn your life to Jesus? Because if you don't, guess what? After this is said and done, you'll turn your back on him just like they did. And so I'm, I'm, I'm asking you this morning, take a moment of reflection. Consider, consider, amen, what, what we have spoken about, that Jesus is not only Savior, but he's coming as as a judge and he's coming to execute judgment upon the inhabitants and the dwellers of the earth and the nations of the earth. And so the only way you can escape that judgment is when you make a genuine heartfelt, sincere commitment to him and you invite him to come into your life and to become your savior, your Lord, your God. And then when you do that, you invite the Holy spirit to fill you so that he can empower you to live a life that would be pleasing. Amen. And that would be obedient to this king of glory known as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. If you're able to do that this morning, amen, you would repeat this prayer with me. Father, I come to you as a sinner whose only right is to be the recipient of your judgments. But because you have made provision and you sent your son to deliver me from the judgments that will come. I accept by grace and by faith the salvation provided to me by Jesus Christ, the one who died upon that cross. I invite you right now to wash me in his blood, to take away all of my sins, to deliver me from all curses, that have affected not only me, but the gener my family, my forefathers, and the generation before me, Father. I pray right now, set me free. Break every bondage, every stronghold in my life. And bind me to you. That from this day on, I will live my life in a way that it will be pleasing unto you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. For I can't do this on my own. Only through the power. And through the presence of your Holy Spirit dwelling in me, will I be able to be a part of that heavenly army that's coming with Jesus to reign and rule on the earth. Oh God, and so right now, I receive you. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And by the power of your word, by the power of your blood, I am saved. Say it again. I am saved saved and I am free no longer a slave to sin no longer a slave to Satan but I am a child of the most high God if you made that prayer with me I want you to either email us call us you're going to have the information right there we would love to provide for you material and if you're close to our church, we'd love to invite you to our church and help you evolve and, de and develop in this new journey that you have began this morning. Amen. And so right now I conclude by saying a prayer over every believer that's watching and over the situation that we're facing as a nation and as a, as, as, as a, uh, a human community globally. Amen. Father, we, we, um, we praise you because we know that you're in control. We praise you because we know that you, that nothing happens on this earth without first being authorized 
by you. And so we pray, Father, that as we are under this cloud of, of, of uh, uncertainty, Father, and under this cloud of, of calamity that has come upon the earth and, and that has brought about so much death, Father, we pray that you would keep our eyes and our hearts set on you. You said that whenever we see the signs that point to your coming, that we are not to be discouraged. Whenever we see these signs of calamities, of plagues, of, 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 of trials that will come upon the earth, for us not to be discouraged, but for us to lift our heads and look towards the heavens from where our redemption draws nigh. And so we lift our heads in the midst of this darkness and we look to the, to the, towards the heavens, Father. And we thank you because our redemption is coming. It's coming. And in the meantime, oh God, we pray that you would strengthen us, that you would keep us focused, Lord, that we would not allow outside influences, oh God, to, to cloud, oh God, our vision, but that we would see, oh God, that you're in control and that soon, once this is over, you will give us the opportunity to be the bride, the glorious bride that will lead the world to Jesus Christ, Father. So I pray this in your name and I thank you. Amen and amen. Before we conclude, we just want to invite you next Sunday. Uh, the world calls it Easter Sunday in our church. We don't use the word Easter. We call it Resurrection Sunday. We commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ after he went through this week of trial and of suffering like no one has ever experienced. Amen. The Bible says that on the third day he resurrected victorious and he ascended to the heavens in the same way that he ascended he will return and so we're going to be celebrating that next sunday and we're going to be uh, uh bringing an easter or, or resurrection sunday service we're going to be taking holy communion so we invite you if you can get a, a whole of of grape juice and and crackers or whatever bread whatever you use as long as we can partake holy communion together we're going to be doing that next sunday but before sunday this wednesday we will not be doing a live stream like we normally do. Instead, we're going to be doing one Friday, which we call Good Friday. It is the day that we will commemorate the death of Christ, and we will be doing so by speaking on the seven last expressions that he uh, uttered when he was uh, dying upon that cross. So join us this Friday at 7 p.m. as we hold the Good Friday service, and join us next Sunday, 11 a.m., as we come to you to celebrate the resurrected Savior. Amen. We love you, Pastor Margie and I. We love you. We bless you. Stay safe, stay protected, and do not come out from under the shadow of his wings. Amen. There is your protection. Be blessed.